welcome back to Therapist Guide to Getting Unstuck. If you listened to my first podcast episode, you know that I changed the name from Whole Mind Wellness to Therapist Guide to Getting Unstuck. I just discovered that it's better for SEO ratings, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, now I got a new title. Welcome back, though. We're going to be talking today about emotions. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, why why is it that we're feeling anxious? Why is it that we feel unsettled? And what we can do maybe to help with that. To do that, I'm going to give you a little bit of a brain lesson. And I do not claim to be a neuropsychology expert by any means, but I do know a little bit about how the brain works when it comes to emotions and anxiety. So I want to share that with you so that maybe it'll help you feel a little bit better when you are struggling with anxiety or uncomfortable emotions, fear, whatever it is. So today what I'm going to do is talk a little bit about the limbic system in our brain. You may know a little bit about that, but basically the limbic system contains different areas of our brain that all work to regulate emotions or whatnot. But So let me go into them. So the limbic system consists of the thalamus, the hypothalamus, the amygdala, and the hippocampus. So let me explain what each of those things are. First, I'm going to talk about the thalamus. So basically, the thalamus comes up through your spine, and it it functions really as a sensory relay station. Everything that comes in through sight, sound, uh, taste, touch, the thalamus will direct all of the senses to different areas of your brain. So Everything first passes through the thalamus. So when the sensory information goes up through the thalamus, it reaches the amygdala first. And so the amygdala, a lot of us know that as the emotion center of our brain, it houses fight or flight. It tells us what we should feel about certain things. That's the amygdala. So then you've got the hypothalamus, which is it's really, really small in the brain. It's supposedly the size of a kidney bean or something, but it, it regulates the autonomic nervous system, which is basically the fight-flight or rest and digest. The fight-flight would be the sympathetic part of the nervous system, and the rest and digest is the parasympathetic part, but we're not going to go into that as much today. We'll probably go into that in more detail, maybe in a different podcast. It triggers a release of hormones uh, like adrenaline, uh, hunger, thirst, sleep, sex, it, it acts in uh, function with that. And then there's the hippocampus. The hippocampus converts the short-term memory into long-term memory. So if you have been traumatized in some way or anxiety is persistent and you feel stuck, then a lot of the times it's difficult to process experiences into long-term memory and it gets stuck. And this is where trauma and anxiety live because what happens, like I said before, it travels to the amygdala first and the amygdala then will let the hippocampus know, should we be worried now or are we okay? And if we have experienced an event that has taken us out of our normal routine, that has scared us, that has stopped us in our tracks, that has violated boundaries, any kind of a trauma event that we've experienced, if we don't process that, then it gets stuck into our amygdala. When it's stuck in our amygdala, what happens is that the amygdala comes online and everything else goes offline. And this is really important to know because so we have this prefrontal cortex where we have the left and the right hemisphere of our brain. This is 
higher order thinking. This is what humans have so that we can know how to regulate our emotions, know what to do in situations. So like if somebody cuts us off on the freeway or something, our amygdala is telling us we need to fight back and we need to go cut them off. But then the information gets to our prefrontal cortex and it tells us, wait a minute, let's think about this more rationally. What would happen if, if that were to happen? And it would, it would probably make it worse. So if you have experienced some sort of a traumatic event or you suffer a lot with anxiety, uh, which is often an off, offset of trauma, and we've all experienced trauma, I want to put that out there. Trauma is not just for big events, although that, that's like capital T trauma, where war and domestic violence and torture and uh, natural disasters, things like that. Those are capital T traumas, but there's little t traumas as well, and we've all experienced those because it's basically a break in attachment of some sort that then causes an unsettled feeling. And it can happen over a long amount of time. A lot of us have been able to adjust because we might have experienced that little t trauma and been able to reprocess it into the longer term memory. But if we haven't, then we get stuck there. And so we get ruminating thoughts and we can't stop thinking about a certain event. And so different things will trigger us. It's like everything that happened, happened yesterday. So for example, say that you almost drowned when you were a child. And because of that, now you're an adult, say you're a 30-something adult now, and every time that you go into a body of water, a pool, a lake, an ocean, whatever it is, you have fear around that. And you're trying to rationalize yourself out of that fear because it doesn't make sense. You know how to swim. But what's happening is that experience that you had of almost drowning when you were a kid got stuck in the short-term memory. It was never reprocessed, so you were never able to understand that one situation of you almost drowning does not mean that you're going to drown every single time that you go into a body of water. But because that trauma is stuck in the amygdala, remember the amygdala houses emotion. So when you see water, those emotions get big and it, the amygdala lights up. If you think about it like nighttime with streetlights, all the lights are on the amygdala when you see a body of water. And when that happens, everything else, like I said before, shuts off. So everything else is dim and you can't access that. So it's really important to reprocess that trauma in present day so that you don't get upset every time you see a body of water. And there's a lot of trauma treatments that can help with that reprocessing. But what I want you to know about is if you are feeling very anxious, if you are feeling, uh, out of sorts emotionally, if you're dealing with a trauma and you're having these reactions and you're beating yourself up for them and you're saying, I don't understand, I'm trying all the things, I'm doing all of the challenging of thought and all of those things that I'm told to do and nothing's working. I want you to understand that the reason that nothing is working is because when your body's in a fight or flight or freeze, which it is with high levels of anxiety and trauma, your body is getting ready to escape because I think I mentioned in uh, the last podcast that stress and anxiety are useful for us. Remember that they kept us from danger in a time when danger was all around us. We had to be alert. We had to 
not think rationally about things. Because if we were to stop and think rationally about things, we might get eaten by a bear or something. So, so that's what's happening when you're dealing with anxiety, trauma, heavy feelings that just won't go away. First thing that you need to do is to relax that body. And I talked for a minute about the um, autonomic nervous system with the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. So your body's in the sympathetic nervous system. It's all about how can I get out of here? How can I get out of here? We need to put it into the parasympathetic nervous system because then that will tell your body, okay, you can be calm now. And the only way to do that is through mind-body connection. You can't have rational thought before your body is calm. So there are breathing exercises that you can do. Deep diaphragmatic breathing, where you really breathe in for four breaths and out for four breaths. You can also do some body scans, and that's where you can stop, start at the top of your head and move down to your toes. And just with each with each muscle, you just recognize it and see if it's tense and notice it relaxing as you pay attention to it. You can also do visualization, which is a really good one. Lots of times in EMDR, when I'm doing EMDR with people, I'll start off with visualization. This allows them a resource. So when you are feeling overwhelmed, you have something to draw you back into center so that you can ground yourself. So knowing trauma, anxiety, and all these feelings, there's a lot of broken attachments underneath all of those. So I really like it, the visualization, to be put in mind a person that you are feeling attached to that you or you were attached to. Somebody that is alive now, could be a friend, could be a family member. It could be somebody that passed. For me, it's my grandmother. So when I go to that place, I'm imagining myself as a little girl, and I used to spend time with my grandmother, just me and her, for a week. We used to rotate weeks, uh, me and my sister and brother, where we'd each spend one week alone with her. And these were some of the best times of my life, because my grandmother would play cards with me, and she would listen to me with undivided attention, and it just felt like the only thing in the world that she ever wanted was to know what I had to say. And as a little girl, that felt really, really important to me. So I feel very connected in that memory. So what I do is I will close my eyes and I'll visualize that memory and I will have a mantra that goes along with it. For example, it can be anything like, uh, I am in control of my life. We'll, we'll use that as, as a mantra. That's one that I have definitely used in times where it just feels like I'm not in control of my life. So I will just close my eyes. Maybe I'll do a body, st- a body scan or I'll do grounding exercises. Grounding is three things you can hear, see, and touch. There's a bunch of grounding, but that's my favorite. I will then close my eyes and then I'll tap. So I will tap on my knees. The point is to do bilateral stimulation because what that does is that activates your left and your right hemisphere. And remember, when your amygdala is holding all of that emotion, your right and your left hemisphere are offline. So I, you need to get it back online. So this visualization technique is one way to do that. So I will just hold that thought, that picture in my head, and I will repeat that mantra in my head or out loud, depending on where you are. And I will simultaneously tap my left and my right knee. You can also do that through uh, bilateral eye movement. You can actually download some 
things on YouTube that have the actual bilateral movement and you can follow that back and forth, but that bilateral is, is really important. And speaking of bilateral and as a way to calm the body, swaying is another way to do that. You know, when we have babies, we usually sway back and forth. It's because that soothes them, but it also soothes, soothes, <laughs> it also soothes us. That's a tough word to say. Also, you can do drumming. I mean, there's a lot of bilateral things that you can do. There's also bilateral music that you can listen to with headphones on, which is really useful. And you go to this place until your body gets calm. And when your body's calm, now the amygdala, the lights are dimming. So when the lights are dimming, it's telling the, the frontal lobe there with the left and right hemisphere that, okay, you can come a little bit online now. You're invited to the party a little bit more. And you're able to access now those cognitive thoughts. And now you can move into cognitive challenging of thoughts and defeating stories you're telling yourself to be able to move past that anxiety. Those are some quick tips to help you, but really what I want you to know that when you feel like you're in a state that you, you can't seem to talk yourself out of something and you know that it's not logical, but it feels very logical to you, it's because your amygdala is online. So you have to calm your body first before you calm your mind. The body knows what you're doing before your mind catches up. So if you want to learn a little bit more about how trauma looks in the brain, I invite you to go to my YouTube channel and subscribe there. It's just Whole Mind Wellness PLLC. And you can subscribe there. I post things occasionally about trauma, about anxiety, some strategies that you can use, or some TBT skills that you can use to help with communication, all sorts of things. Also, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a, a five-star rating and, and write a review. That really helps us in the App Store to be ranked. As always, you can go on over for, to my website if you'd like to make an appointment. I am available for people that live all across the state of Michigan because I do in-person and online counseling. You can just register there over at wholemindwellnessplc.com. I'm also available for speaking engagements too, and you can contact me at monica at wholemindwellness.com. So I hope you learned a little bit and uh, shoot me, shoot me a comment. Let me know if this was useful to you. And I hope that y'all have a good week and we'll talk next week.